Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, listeners. This episode of Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, includes some potentially sensitive content. There's a depiction of a scene of terror that may be triggering for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and you are listening to episode five of my storytelling podcast, Vega, a sci-fi adventure. If you're just joining me, here's what you need to know. Vega Rex lives in a fantasy future where she hunts and kills the world's worst supercriminals. On last week's episode, you were introduced to Vega's bosses, the prophets of the League Council. You were introduced. Vega is unfortunately all too familiar with these six overglorified government workers telling her what she can and can't do. When we last left her, Vega had maybe just casually mentioned that none of the apprentices she'd been assigned by the League Council seemed like good matches for her, and the prophets of the Council had this to say. We give out close to 2,000 apprentice assignments a year, and over 95% of them continue through the end of their apprenticeships. Last we checked, am I wrong, Barkus? Miss Rex, one bad match is unfortunate, two is a possibility, three is highly coincidental, but six Six is, 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 is a gross anomaly. Mm-hmm. The likes we have never seen before. And triggered by all these abnormal statistics, Vega had just finished having a major realization. Are you ready to hear it? Okay then, this is a longer episode than usual, so let's just go ahead and dive right in. Here we go. A few things to remember. Vega is sitting in the council room chambers in a circle of chairs with the six prophets of the League Council. There are eight chairs and seven people, meaning that one of these chairs is empty. I told you last time that every person in this room is wearing a sacred mask. The prophets are wearing the mask decorated after the sacred beast. Vega is wearing the blank, expressionless mask that all hunters wear in the council room chambers. Nobody can see anybody else's face right now, but everybody can hear the open note of defiance in Vega's voice. She begins. And now, remind me, in the history of the hunting tradition, after the Apprentice Clause went into effect, did the average number of career kills per hunter increase or decrease compared to hunters before the clause? Plain English, did the hunter score more kills before or after they had apprentices? Decreased, says Fen without hesitation. Remember, he's behind the guppy mask. 
Although lead kill averages grew exponentially with increased staffing in the decades to follow, plain English, individual hunters scored less kills, sure, Vega, but the hunting team overall started putting up way more numbers. Mm-hmm, Vega nods slowly, and how many hunters before or after the claws broke 100 kills, counting those alone or assisted? Uh-oh, these calculations are too much for Prophet Fen in his little fish brain. Prophet Solana, behind her lemur mask, jumps in, her quick mind energizing her. 152, counting up the 17-1 from the Byzantine era, the 59 from the Industrial, the 7 from the God Wars, the 8 from the Common Era, and the 7 we've got today, that's 152 hunters who have broken 100 kills alone or assisted. 152. Prophet Parkus, the prophet wearing the crocodile mask, pulls himself up in his chair using the armrest, taking himself out of that casual recline. Got it. Okay, what about 150 kills? How many have broken that? Vega says, mmm, 35. I believe you'll find it. How many have broken 200 kills? 13. 250 kills. Uh, three. Lila, the prophet wearing the mask of the robin, takes a glance at Parkus now. 300 kills. One. 350 kills. One. 355, 360, 365. Solana takes a glance at Parkus now, too. Parkus makes a noise, as if to speak. And how many hunters, goes Vega, have achieved 400 kills alone or assisted as of eight hours ago? Vox, the bear, starts a soft chuckle. Vega can hear the smile in Solana's voice. Only you, Vega. Only you. You said it yourself, Prophet Parkus. Numbers don't lie, Vega says. 400? Where no one else has ever even broken three? Prophet Fen, would you like to know what I call that kind of anomaly? Gross. You all may compare me to other hunters if you wish, but as you yourselves know, there has never been another hunter like me. I am nothing if not uncommon, am I not? Well, says Prophet Silas from behind that snail mask, let's not take all day. Go ahead, Vega. Say what you're going to say. I think you should make an exception for me. I think we should waive the apprentice clause. All right, real talk. This is not the first time Vega had thought of this argument before. I mean, come on. But this is the first time that she had had an opening this big in conversation to use it. So, you know, here we are. Parkus takes a breath. Vega can practically hear his eyes rolling behind his mask. Miss Rex, I hate to break this to you, but you are not nearly as exceptional as you think you are. You are far from the only hunter who detests this clause. There was massive pushback when it was initiated. In the 2030s, they nearly abolished it, but the council held the clause at that time as we will do today. And do you want to know why? Because it was the perfect will of Saibo to install it in the first place. It's increased our global kill numbers a hundred times over. It prevents hunter burnout like no other method we've tried. And over time, it has produced a better and better quality hunter exhibit you. Really, you should be grateful for this clause. Without it, who knows if you would even exist. Perfunctory statements, announces Vox, the bear, loudly. Pargus looks around at him. Then he looks around at the others confused. Who are you talking to? Come on, Vox, you really gotta be more clear. You know, nobody can ever tell who you're looking at. I was talking to you, Parkus, Vox snapped. You said Vega wasn't exceptional, and that simply is not true. She is the definition of an exception. 
deviating from the standard in every way. Perhaps we have too far succumbed to the common affliction of our species, one for whom the entire enterprise of existence is a verifiable improbability. We have become so used to the miraculous, we see it now as little more than mundane. But Vega is no common hunter. She knows that. She knows that we know that. So what, says Parkas. What do you suppose we do for her, Vox? Give her everything she asks for? Within reason. And what is reasonable, hmm? I'm really asking. Say if she wants to stop hunting the bounties the council assigns and find and kill any person with whom she might carry some sort of personal vendetta. Should we let her do that? Nobody is proposing that, says Vox. No. But in theory, what Miss Rex is proposing is the same thing. A violation of tradition. A breaking of rules that were put in place to protect her. Or do you question the ear of the prophet-elect? Perhaps you're saying that none of them have ever really heard the voice of Saivo after all. Or is it that the will of Saivo itself isn't infinitely wise in your opinion? Vox shifted in his chair as everyone in the chamber stared at him. Nobody is proposing that either. He means that as a challenge, but his body betrays him. He shrinks, crossing his hands on his lap and looking away. Satisfied, Parkas turns to the rest of the council. Listen, gang, I'm all for setting new precedents. You know I am, but let's think about what we're really saying here, what our wonder kid is really proposing. Do you mind? Vega interrupts. She lifts her finger. She points to her mask. You think we could take these things off while we talk? They're so stifling, and I'm pretty sure we all know what we look like. Whoa. The shift in the room that just happened puts a chill in Vega's body. From across the circle, she can see something in Parkus's neck stiffen. She can see the whites of his eyes from behind his mask. It feels for a moment like she truly is staring down the jaws of a beast. No, Miss Rex, we cannot. We wear the masks on the floor. It is tradition. It is part of our rule and order, something you seem to have lost too much respect for. Then might I be permitted to remove my own, Vega says. Of course, says Lila. Prophets and hunters are equals before Saivo. You don't need our permission to act according to how you wish in these chambers. Oh yeah. How could I forget, Vega says. Without a touch of dryness, the irony of Lila's words certainly could have been lost on anyone else. There was a time, yeah, when hunters and prophets were equal. You want to know when that time was, dear listener? In the 5th century as in nearly 1,700 years ago. And man, what a time that must have been, imagine it. By this time in ancient history, though you were the last political office to form, you're being taken so seriously now, and nobody calls you a hunter, please. That was some progressive PC nonsense adopted in the 1940s. No, they call you mighty warrior. You are a crusader for your people, and what you do is just as respected in Sivan culture as what the priests and the prophets do. And between all three of these offices, your people group is crushing it. You're cleansing the ancient world of ancient evils. You're becoming the world power from an early age. You are doing everything Saiva wants you to do in order to usher in the age of eternal peace. So weird how every generation thinks eternal peace is just right around the corner. And check this, instead of getting pissed at you for killing off their troublesome citizens without their consent, the ancient societies around you are literally swamping you with requests to kill off more. Now here is an opportunity. 
The door to mounting a true campaign to cleanse the world of evil is being opened. And the best part? No one is forcing anyone to take on an apprentice. Uh, but do you know why we can't have nice things? Why? Because somebody always has to ruin it. It only takes one. I'll spare you the details. But a couple of hunters went rogue and took a couple others with them. There was a domestic dispute, some may say civil war. There was bloodshed. It was bad. Also, with all the requests from different nation states to kill off their worst criminals, I guess it seemed necessary to have some sort of administration to coordinate it all. Anyway, in 1814, the council was formed and over time, prophets, priests, and hunters melded their government over the country into a tenuous system of checks and balances. But did Vega believe that these checks and balances truly amounted to equality? At the moment? No. But whatever, she was going to take off this mask whether they liked it or not. She reaches back and draws apart the knot that's holding it in place and out comes her face. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beaver Mount, Ontario is pretty much the same. Folks are polite, there's a hockey game that evening, and someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, ben look! The contrast is sharp. In this chamber, all things are inanimate. Marble, metal, morals. But here, finally, sprouting like an eternal bud is something wonderfully and powerfully alive. A small pneumatic platform rises to receive her mask, and as Vega places it there, Parkas speaks again. Be very careful, Miss Rex. She turns to him, not missing a beat. Careful of what? You cherish too much the unorthodox. Be careful you don't corrupt yourself beyond repair. You think that's the danger here? Vega begins. My corruption. I thought you were supposed to be the experts. Nobody in the world knows more about Hunter history than you do. You know that the Apprentice Clause was put into effect by a council just like this one because they saw that there were things that needed to change. But they didn't set it in stone. They had goals for this clause, yes, but once you reach a goal, what do you think? You just settle for what you get? No, you set new goals. Goals like what? Goals like pushing this as far as it can go. Vega shoots back. Her patience has finally come to an end. She feels a heat rising in her cheeks. She glares at Parkas with hard eyes, her expressive face the picture of petulance. 400 kills. 400. Think about that. This isn't traditional and this isn't the 600s anymore. It's 2190 for Saivo's sake. Which one of you? Thought you'd get to see 400 kills from a single hunter in your lifetime. Which one of you wants to see five? This isn't just my legacy, it's yours too. We get to leave our mark on history together. And one day, future councils will be sitting around this place talking about us, about what we did. But I can't do that alone. And you can't keep holding me back. They tried, y'all. Ooh, they really tried to slip back into one of those awful silences, but Vega isn't going to let them. Somebody say something. Prophet Solana. Well, I, for one, found that very moving, the lemur says, shifting in her seat. You're a beautiful aura to Vega. I could listen to you all day. Prophet Vox. 
Very eloquent, says the bear. The structure of your argument was convincing. And the content? That I'm still digesting. Lila, Vega looks to her friend. Do you have anything you wish to say? The robin began slowly. Vega, you mistake us. Our duty is not to our own legacies, it's to Sivos. The expression doesn't change on Vega's face, but she swallows. Hard. The robin looks away. That's right, said the croc. And any decision of this council will always be in his best interest, not yours. Make no mistake, Miss Rex. In the grand theater of Sivo's history, you are a day player and nothing more. Vega. I had no idea I mattered so little. That's a lie, Vega, and you know it, says Lila. Her voice has a touch of indignation in it now. We've lived and breathed to support you. We've given you everything you needed to be successful. We spared you no expense. You should know by now that you matter a great deal to us. All of us. Okay, you remember that thing I said about there being eight chairs in the circle and only seven people? I'd like to tell you now who's supposed to be sitting there in that empty chair. That last chair was reserved for the seventh member of the League Council, as it had always been. It was reserved for the Prophet-elect. Vega lets her eyes linger on that empty chair just long enough for the echo of Lila's words about mattering a great deal to all of them fall flat. Because how could that be true? The Prophet-elect had stopped coming to Vega's debriefs a long time ago. I see, Vega says. You all are determined to act in Saibo's best interests. I hope you understand, then, why I have to act in mine. She closes her eyes. She takes a breath. I'd like to formally announce my retirement. As soon as she said the words, her heart began to beat wildly in her chest. She feels the urge rise up in her. Something desperate called her, take it back, but she doesn't because Solana's hand is flying to her chest and Fen's head is whipping around to stare at her and Parkus himself nearly comes up out of his chair when she says it. They hadn't counted on this. And why would they? These six faces had sat over all 400 of her missions. In the beginning, my gosh, you should have seen how they praised her as she regaled them with the stories. Hunting was her life. Hunting had made her. They had not counted at all on her willingness to walk away. An eternity and a half seemed to pass before Parkus finally stammered something out. Did, did you just say retirement? I'll draft my resignation first thing tomorrow. Thank you for your time. Vega reaches for her mask. Vega, Parkus reaches out to stop her. She turns to Parkus, all coolness and composure. You can't be serious. You want to retire from hunting? You. If the apprentice clause isn't waived, yeah, I do. You would rather not hunt at all than hunt with an apprentice, he says, incredulous. I'd rather not hunt at all than hunt under the bondage of a system too old and deaf to know when it needs to change. The metal mask looked around at each other. Vega couldn't tell if she was holding her breath or whether she was simply breathless. She stared at the croc. Everything hinges on what he's about to say. Let us talk. We'll talk with the prophet-elect. Yes! Sweet! Victory! Revel in my unmitigated power! Vega's heart screams. Sure, her mouth says. She stands to her feet. I'll hold my resignation until you do. 
I look forward to hearing your decision. The prophets all rise to their feet together as Vega puts her mask back on her face. Together, all seven bow before the icon of Saivo in the middle of the circle as the platform they stand on rotates like a turntable. A pathway of lights illuminate the way to the giant double doors that are opening just past a long stretch of shadow. Vega steps down and makes her way along it. Vega. She looks back at them. Their striking tableau. Standing on that platform in their silks, gazing at her from behind the sacred mask, they could have been any council from any era. They were as timeless as their entire way of life. Happy 400, says Parkus. Excuse me, was you saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. It's a shame. Oh, it really is that Kanye's music doesn't exist in this fictional universe because your girl Vega would have been blasting Yeezy all the way home. She just played that council room like a 16-string harp. I actually don't know how many strings harps have. I feel like there's way more, but I don't know. It doesn't matter because she was free. No more apprentices, no more problems. Oh man, is anybody taking bets? How many kills do you think Vega will get before she actually retires? She's been hunting for like six years, so if she gets like three more than she could get up to 600? That's nuts! Nobody would ever beat that. Oh yeah, uh, before she gets out of the sky bus, I want to tell you, there's another reason for Vega to be happy today. There wasn't really a place to mention this before, but today happens to be a national holiday. In our world, at least in the West, Christmas is like the big chunky one, right? In her world, at least in Patraxis, they have something called A-Day. Actually, there's A-Day, A as in capital letter A-Day, that kicks off a week. It's a whole thing, you'll hear about it. Right now, all you need to know is Vega is just getting to her hometown as the festivities for this holiday are beginning. We now find her at a literal festival. We're outside, it's nighttime, there are a ton of people here, and as you can hear, many of them are calling out to Vega as she passes by because she's a Rex, and half these people are also Rexes, and the other half are members of families who live alongside the Rexes and have known Vega since she was a little baby Rex. I'd say it's like a family reunion, except I can't because these families don't ever go home. This is home. And on their way to these party grounds, from every corner of RX district, clusters of these friendly folk had absorbed every amenable passerby, amassing this intense, festal energy as the crowd grew bigger until they converged with a triumphant roar at the place of tonight's celebration. The Chapel the Chapeltieria is the monument of Vega's childhood. This multi-purpose building had been the site of so many of her cherished memories. Everything important in RX District happened here, as anything important in any district in their country went down at the local chap. But in her opinion, there was no other chap in the world that compared to hers. Where other Chapeltierias were squat and gray and serious, these crisscrossing walls of glass and steel melded through the trunks of giant living trees had nothing but the spirit of playfulness in them. The glass panes of the walls were typically opaque and littered with projections, but tonight they're clear, and Vega can see from where she's standing that hundreds of people are already packed inside. From deep within that throng, the pounding of ceremonial drums had already begun and a racing rhythm, powered by the force of over two dozen different drum voices, is taking over the festival fields and clobbering Vega with that mesmerizing sound. She crosses the threshold of one of the arch entryways into the chap. 
The floor here is angled, think stadium style, and down on the floor at the bottom, two dozen members of the Tyvex family are beating their drums in a highly coordinated performance. From the door, across the crowd, Vega's quick eyes find who she's looking for. Gaelic stands at the bottom, towards the front of the crowd, and he must have been watching the door because he's already spotted her. He points at her, and the heads around him spin a look. <sighs> There's her mom. There's her grandmom. There are the faces of Vega's nieces and nephews, cousins, aunts, and uncles, all there, all waiting for her. Oh, man. Vega had seen some amazing things in her life, seen some truly stunning places, but there is not, nor will there ever be, any place like home. Galix makes a motion to her, uh, sweeping his arm, as if to say, let's go, V, what are you waiting for? Get down here already. And Vega, smiling, only manages to take two steps in that direction before something makes a high-pitched click in the air, and the ground explodes. For the rest of her life, Vega will never forget this feeling, this dizzy, weightless terror. The slowing of motion, the shifting of gravity, the liquid movement of time hardening, crystallizing just enough to scratch into her psyche with a diamond's edge this moment, making permanent this memory before it had even finished happening. She feels bodies knocked off their feet, tumbling. She sees herself like a bystander. She can see herself leaping over them, scrambling into a mushroom cloud, into dirt, debris, the dark shroud thrown over the place her family stood. They were standing right there. She saw them. They were smiling. They were just right there. A shudder runs through her. She covers her mouth, coughs up the smoke clawing its way down. She waves her hand, useless. The dark, powdery particles in the air refuse to split. Everything is ash. Only the neon bracelets on the ground give away the bodies. She falls to one. Aunt Nadega, another shudder. Aunt Nadega opens her eyes. The bodies around her begin to stir. Can you walk? Go. Go that way. Take the little ones. That way. Hey, Justin, behind you. Go with them! Go with her! It's okay! You, carry this one! It's okay, Nika! With the smoke, follow them! Just follow them! Go! In seconds, I mean seconds, everyone is gone and left behind a single red shoe, a spinning child's toy, soiled plastic cups, a white shroud. A white shroud? Those are priests' robes. Priests wear right robes, but there's something wrong with these. They're stained. They've got blood all over them. Is that a hole? Is that a gunshot hole? Another shudder. Did somebody shoot a priest? Wait. Those shudders aren't terror tremors. It's the air. Literally concussing around her. There's someone firing compression shots. This is a terror attack. And just as Vega realizes it, she looks up through the smoke and sees him. 
the shooter. There is nowhere for her to hide. There's no time. The shooter is walking toward her. She can see the gun. She's staring into the black coldness of the hollow mask that hides his face. He's turning. He's turning. He's turning away. He can't see her. She's kneeling on the ground where the white robes are and he can't see Vega through the smoke. He's so close, she can hear the crunch of his boots as he kneels. He folds his hand in front of him, as if in prayer. No, not as if. He is praying, whispering. Sibilant, unintelligible, except for this. Clear as day. He turns the gun on his side. His fingers dance over the safety switches. His thumb depresses the button for self-destruct, and he throws the weapon in the air. What happens next, Vega would only ever have the vaguest memories of. Because though she scrambles across the heart earth, putting distance between her and the blast that would kill them both, she isn't fast enough. The force of the blast catches her and launches her into the air like a rag doll. She's flying. She's falling. She's knocked out cold. And that is where this episode is going to end. The next episode of Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, will be available on December 13th. I'll see you then. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Oh, hey, friends, it's me, your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore. You don't know me, but I'm going to introduce you to Dungeons & Dragons, where I play D&D with my friends, and, th- and they're going to become your friends because you're going to love us so much. I mean, maybe, maybe you won't love us, but we'll love you. Let me give you a taste of the show in 42 seconds. Let's go! You must have a, f- and a flask. Anything. He's got a satchel. That's the most disappointed <laughs> way I've ever heard anyone say the word satchel. Cost. How much is a donkey cost? Russ, how much is a donkey cost? Russ, is the a question donkey everyone cost? wants to know. For one hour. It's concentration, so if you do another concentration spell... It's abjuration, you doink. It's concentration. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like exactly the sort of person you should probably tell your friends about. The kind that are there and say, like, weird, mysterious things and then just disappear? Yeah, that's why I'm telling you. Okay. Also, he had three eyes. Oh! We're having this rager. I mean, Lich Astley and the Magic Magic Missiles is going to be playing later tonight. (laughs) Is he ever going to give you up? (laughs) Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Orcus is going to rule all and he won't desert you. What else do I need to tell you? We're Dungeons & Dragons. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts or at dumbdragons.com. We can't wait to adventure with you.